0: Ha hey.
1: everybody. How are you today? Doing alright? Let's pray. Father it is so good to gather together this morning in your name. We take just a moment to push our week to the left and to the right. Get our attention firmly on you this morning. Thank you Holy Spirit for your presence in this place. I thank you that. Your greatest desire today is to meet with us, to walk with us, to stir us up, to propel us back into the community for the week in the name of Jesus, with the hope of Jesus, with the peace of Jesus, with the power of Jesus, bringing good news to our city, to our nation, to the nations of the world. So we make the most of this opportunity, Lord, to sit at your feet, so to speak. Yeah, thank you, Father. Father, my prayer is that every heart would be open. That spiritually every eye would be open, every ear would be unblocked in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. That we would enjoy our time together and we would hear what you want to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you say hello to a couple of people as you take a seat? It's nice to see you this morning. I'm fresh off the plane, so uh, well I got a couple of hours sleep between then and now. But uh, I've had the privilege of being in India for the last nine or ten days, and uh, the mission was to the mission was to go and help Pastor Sarinda, who um, who's in, in quite an isolated position where he is. And if you're part of church here, you will have heard about Pastor Sarinda many times. And so i think the mission was accomplished time will tell as we go forward but but it was one of those trips where i feel incredibly blessed because uh, it was like god surprised me there was far more there for me than there was for surrender and um, the group of people that i was traveling with i think god did some special things and uh, i look forward to telling you about some of those in the future but i had the privilege on friday of being part of a graduation ceremony uh, for a bible college and I was, one, I was at one ceremony of 43 during the week in the northern states of India where 1,040 students graduated and were released and next week they go to plant churches. Pretty cool, eh? It's pretty cool. So uh, they, they, finished, they finished their college course. They are equipped with everything they need to plant a church. A push bike, a Bible and a notebook. And the Holy Spirit. And they go. And they go. And I can tell you there's a few things. You know the old hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers? Onward Christian Soldiers marching onto war? Well, there was this real cheesy version of this they played. But I'll never hear that song again the same because they lined us all up and included I was included with the faculty and and they lined us all up and we marched. And marched in. And the thing is that those young people, some of them won't return. The persecution in, in, in India is significant at the moment and getting worse. And um, some of them won't return. It's, it was an exciting occasion, yet it was incredibly humbling and a solemn occasion. Um, they had not so long ago one of their teachers was actually martyred. So some of them won't return. The, the teacher just just from there, training the kids. That wasn't so much to do with the, well, It's all about the gospel because that's why they're doing it, but with the caste system there. And um, one of the teachers went to work, never came home that day, and they found his body scattered all through the classrooms, all cut up, sending a message to the church. And uh, some, some of the young people, they won't come home. Others will be beaten, others won't but it put a real sobering effect on the price that people are prepared to pay for the gospel and believe me you've got it easy we say wherever whenever be like jesus if you find that hard maybe you need to get into here for a few months anyway good morning <laughs> how the other half lives We live in an incredibly privileged country here, never take it for granted. Well, welcome, great to have you with us, and if you're visiting today, I hope you can relax, hope they didn't just scare you off, but that's what's at the top of my thinking this morning, and uh, so I I trust you feel welcome. It is great to have Wayne and Libby with us this weekend from Equipers Church in Auckland. Wonderful to have you guys here. Thank you for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to be with us. It's. Family. Thank you, thank you We appreciate you, we really do Well who's had a birthday in the last week Or wedding anniversary Or mm-hmm. Tricus Was that half a wave Oh you best, best you come and see me I could come and see you But why Oh you've had Four wisdom teeth out of here. That's hear That's a pleasure isn't it I can remember having that done Did I see pictures of Pastor John in Christchurch pulling his own wisdom teeth out? Dentist. Oh, Were the popsicles good? (laughs) Any other wedding anniversaries or birthdays? Nothing. Well, that's good. Why don't you stand to your feet? We all get to focus on you this morning. That's pretty awesome. Happy birthday. Very good. Right, we're going to pray for Drekus this morning. Ready? Here we go. Hey, where it says um, thank you for your family, we declare them, let's say thank you for Drekus, eh? Very good. Here we go. Father, thank you for Drekus. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity, and protection over him this year. Activate your love and goodness through him. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Give me a big hand. Very good. Well, I've got a couple of things I just need, I need to mention to you. Um, girls' Night Out tomorrow night, is that right? Girls' Night Out's happening tomorrow night. So if you... Wait, come and say, be easier, because I don't know.
2: Hey, ladies. Tomorrow night, 7.30, if you would like to please RSVP at the Hub on your way out. If you forget, then just email the office and that way we can cater for you tomorrow night. It's going to be a great night. Our theme is mental health. It's going to be very interesting. Come and enjoy a nice evening together.
1: Okay, great. And Tuesday night this week, can you know what's happening? Momentum prayer. Can you please come and pray? It's like an hour, hour and a half tops out of your week. Tuesday, 730 here 7 nah it's 7.30 trust me uh, 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 that I know it is 7.30 don't worry about the screen that's just to so you've got some conflict so you remember what's happening it's 7.30 but you can come at 7 if you'd like to and, and just don't go home if no one else is here seven, 7.30 come and pray please please there's nothing more you can do in the kingdom of God that spend time praying and uh, you know Steve McCracken he prophesied over us again this year second year in a row build me a house of prayer build me a house of prayer and I am absolutely committed to that and that doesn't necessarily look like prayer meetings but it includes prayer meetings and uh, yet, I encourage you if you got your diaries, write it in your diaries now. Wednesday, seven, uh, Tuesday, not Wednesday, t- Tuesday, 7.30pm. Pray, pray, pray. It would be great to have you here. Very good. You'll be there, eh? You see, the thing is, I know that most of you won't be. <laughs> Do something different this week. Come and pray. If you've got life group this week, bring your life group come and pray it's the least you can do it's not like I'm asking you to go to India and <laughs> sell out your life and go to a school and not come home come for an hour and a half and pray so very good so where are you going to be on Tuesday night? Well, we're going to have a psalm. Very good. You're looking at me like you're scared right now. <laughs> uh, very good. I was, on the, um, I was on the train platform in Umpala, uh waiting to catch a train to Delhi, and it was delayed. And we, um, this lady came walking down the, the, the thing in the middle, you know, where you stand, the platform, shouting and screaming. I didn't know what she was on about. And then we discovered that there was a a steer, a bull, no, an ox, coming down the platform and that it was attacking people on the way. (laughs) Great big horns on this thing. And um, so we all run around the corner and, and the Indians just, as they do, they sit there like, oh yeah, sure, you know, it's just a, it's not gonna hurt. This thing stops and starts snorting and putting its head down at people. I've never seen Indians move so fast in all my life. It was amazing. It goes past, and then it comes back again. The next time it came, had a whole bunch of young men chasing it to get it to get it off the platform. There's thousands of people there. Unbelievable. Anyway, that's a side thought. Um, Pastor Trevor, why don't you come and
2: lead us in the psalm? Thank you. I thought you were going to ask me if I was going to chase people around or something. The reading this morning is Psalm 45, and it's an interesting psalm that needs some pondering on. So um, if you'd like to just take a note of that and do that, because it's it's a psalm that is prophetic. C.S. Lewis would say that it was written as a love poem or song for the king who was going to be married so it was immediate but as it turned out it was incredibly prophetic of Jesus the Messiah and I hope you'll catch that as I read but the prelude says for the music director for the music director a love song to be sung to the tune Lilies you knew that, Oh, good, good, yeah a psalm of the descendants of Korah. So I thought that obviously I'll have to sing it. So it starts off something like this Beautiful words stir my heart. Sorry, I, I didn't get to learn the rest of it. <laughs> Beautiful words stir my heart. I will recite a lovely poem about the king. For my tongue, is like the pen of a skillful poet. You are the most handsome of all. Gracious words stream from your lips. God himself has blessed you forever. Put on your sword, O mighty warrior. You are so glorious, so majestic. In your majesty ride out to victory, defending truth, humility, and justice. Go forth to perform awe-inspiring deeds. Your arrows are sharp, piercing your enemies' hearts. The nations fall beneath your feet. (coughs) Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever and ever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Myrrh, aloes, and cassia perfume your robes. In ivory palaces, the music of strings entertains you. King's daughters are among your noble women. At your right side stands the queen, Wearing jewellery of finest gold from Ophir. Listen to me, O royal daughter. Many would say, says the church prophetically, take to heart what I say. Forget your people and your family far away, for your royal husband delights in your beauty. Honour him, for he is your Lord. The princess of Tyre will shower you with gifts. The wealthy will beg your favour. The bride, a princess, looks glorious in her golden gown. In her beautiful robes, she is led to the king. Accompanied by her bridesmaids, what a joyful and enthusiastic procession as they enter the king's palace. Your sons will become kings like their father. You will make them rulers over many lands. I will bring honour to your name in every generation. Therefore the nations will praise you forever and ever. And everyone sang Amen. Yeah. Ponder on God's
3: So glorious, so wonderful in your majesty. I don't be staying. You are so glorious, beautiful in your majesty, you are so wonderful. Beautiful.
0: you control, you're still in charge. So we worship you fully this morning, Father, the revelation of King Jesus. You are our prize. You are our goal. more and- nothing better than knowing your love. Help me to trust you more every day. You hold my forever. and you I will stay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
4: Just to stay in Thank your presence. presence. Help us to trust you. Help us to stay in your presence, Lord. On a Sunday, and a Monday, and a Tuesday, a prayer meeting, Lord, help us to stay. Stay in your presence, Jesus. To trust you more, that you would use us more. Oh, Lord, help us influence the world because of what you do and do with us in a moment. A single moment. Lord, we give you this moment this morning. Speak to us, we pray. Minister to us, guide us, lead us, even with truth that maybe we don't want to hear. Lead us. We entrust ourselves to the voice of your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, it's a great, great privilege for us to have Pastors Wayne and Libby with us this morning. And um, again, I want to say thank you for being with us. And really honour you guys. You probably don't realise the um, influence that Wayne and Libby carry globally um, with worship, and uh, they invest tirelessly into tirelessly into churches all over the globe. And um, as skilled as Wayne? He's gone there. As skilled as you guys are, um, because you're obviously very very skilled. What? I just so honor in you this morning is your heart and your heart to lead the church into a place of intimacy with Jesus and um, so it's great to be on the journey of life with you guys it's great to be able to call your friends call your family and uh, so you're coming yes you're coming so make yourself at home and enjoy please give Wayne a massive big hand thank you
2: you so much
4: thank you bro I am so happy that I am not in India right now. Uh, <laughs> and welcome back to Pastor Sheridan, Sheridan and Jen. We love you guys. We honour you guys for what you've what you've done. And just man, the the feeling around this place is incredible because of what you guys have brought. And I. Yeah, I can't honor it enough because it's Jesus that's building his church and it blows me away. I I love it. I love going around the countries and seeing what God is doing in his church. And all he needs is the people that will work with him. (laughs) He just needs someone that will say yes. Uh, We are living proof of people, of useless people that just said yes. We are useless. We're hopeless without him until we say yes and then he gives us everything we need. To go out, Bible even t- tells us in First Peter, He gives us everything we need to live a godly life. Gives us, He empowers us by His grace. He empowers us with everything that we need to go out there and make a difference in this world. Is church just for us? Uh. Uh-uh. uh It's for somebody else. And I've, I've been blown away recently by this revelation. Um, what's the difference between the Spirit of God being in you and the Spirit of God being on you? Jesus went to the um, went to His went to His baptism. Right? I like to think of Jesus as, a, like, when he came to earth as, on his mission, the first phase of his mission was just to come to earth and be born and grow up. He was 30 years old before he went into baptism, before he went into baptism and then onto ministry. What did he do for 30 years? He just grew up. Hey. And then uh, with the small task of not sinning. <laughs> 30 years of not sinning, he was qualified, probably the only guy qualified in the world at that time not to have to be baptized. And yet he gives his, his life and his righteous life as complete service to God. Comes to the waters of baptism and says, no, it's right. John the Baptist says, what are you doing? You should be baptizing me. And, and Jesus says, no, this is a, it's appropriate because if he's if he's going to be an example for us, he's showing us, if a righteous man, if someone that doesn't, that doesn't need to come and have himself baptized, goes and offers himself wholly to God, how much more should we? Fully, 100%, surrendered to God. Every resource, every moment, every dollar, every thought, every action, every heart, everything that we have, surrendered to God. And so he goes under the water, he comes back out, and God is so pleased with him. It's like um, if if that first 30 years of growing up was like his first phase of his mission, this was the time that he graduated. It's like a graduation from, from this first phase of his mission. And like any proud dad at his son's graduation, God yells out from heaven and says, that's my boy comes up out of the waters, and he says, this is my son, whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. Why? Because he's given us the example of what it's supposed to be for us as Christians. A whole 100% death to self and 100% commitment to God with everything. Now, you're sitting there, you're probably thinking, yeah, I've done that. (laughs) Wow, that got quiet. (laughs) And our problem is, we, it's easy to think we've done that until we take a re-look at what we've really surrendered to God. A lot of us, we surrendered to God 20 years ago. But over 20-something years, or maybe 30 years, even 40 years, we, we start to take a few things back. Our, our, the danger is we start to think, I've, I've paid my dues. I've done my dash. Now I'll leave it to the young people. So I think. I'm 49 years old, I'm almost 50, and, I, and I'm, I'm, every week we're, we're packing in at the town hall at five o'clock in the morning, and I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing here? These young guys have got it all. They should be the one unloading the truck. You know what I'm saying? But as an example, you know who's, who's my greatest example? My wife. She leads the vocal team, and she's lugging monitors out to the foyer, just as an example. I keep saying, babe, you don't have to do that. You've led by example for all these years. It's okay. I don't think anybody's going to you know, begrudge it if you don't show up at 5.30 in the morning. She's so like, oh, I don't know. We're supposed to be leaders. I'm like, oh, yeah, true. <laughs> 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 because Jesus was a servant. So we should be showing. You know, um, when it comes to it's particularly music, the young people is where it's at. When we've got our old songs that we love, and we, we like having the... Well, I like the service. If, if it was my choice, this is the service I'd come to. Because it's nice. It requires nothing much of me. Which is the best kind of worship, right? <laughs> I'm sure God loves that. How little can I give to you this morning? <laughs> I jest, I jest. He, I know your heart. He knows your heart. <laughs> but I find myself having to push myself and not get old in here. And not think, no, I've done my dash. We used to say, you know, I surrender all. But after a while, where, where, does this, where do we stop surrendering at all and just say, no, I surrendered all once. And now I'm just taking a few things back in my retirement an hour and a half on a Tuesday to come to prayer meeting. Hey, I, I think, why should your pastor have to plead for that? The prophetic word came to you as a church and said, build a house of prayer. Man, I'd be like, come on, that's the word of God. Let's obey it. Let's build a house of prayer. If you can't unload a truck, come and pray. <laughs> if you can't get behind, a, get behind a guitar, come and pray. My gosh. I, I just think I'm, I'm blown away by this revelation of, of, um, of Jesus coming to give everything he had and he didn't have to. That's what blessed God so much. He didn't have to, but he did it. And so it blesses the heart of his father and he says, my gosh, I love you so much, son, for doing what you've done. And he's an example for us. That, to me, is the ultimate worship. He goes from there, and he gets led by the Spirit into the desert to be tested by the devil for forty days and forty nights. Oh, an awesome graduation present. He goes there and, and, and gets and gets tested. But before it does, before he does, um, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and there he remained. He's just spent thirty years growing up, but the Bible says that he was filled with the Spirit from from the womb. So he had the Spirit in him when he was growing up, empowered him to be sinless. But then he goes into ministry and the Holy Spirit descends on him. So what's the difference? The Spirit in you and the Spirit on you. Clearly for him, the Spirit in you is for you. But the Spirit on you is for somebody else. The Spirit in you is, is to help you. We've done the day. We've, we've grown up. We are mature now because the Holy Spirit is in us, helping us know who we are, what power we have, what grace we have. He's been working in us. He's given you the Word. He's worked the Word in you. He's led you through many, many life decisions. He's there for you. But now, how about you take that, with, that which is in you and give it to somebody else? And in order to do that, you need the Spirit on you. And there's an anointing that comes. There's a, there's, a, there's a pursuing of that that has to happen. Man, we, we often wonder about this whole veil, getting past the veil. You know, we, when we're entering into worship, it takes some work. That's why praise is so good. We never skip over praise to get to, to get to the good stuff. You know, because there are people that worship, worship. I just love this floaty stuff. I mean, I, I do. I, I love the floaty stuff. But if I just skip over praise to get to that, I haven't done any work to get anywhere. It's like I'm just going into for what I can get without giving first. To me, you know when the Bible says, when you draw near to Him, He draws near to us? Praise is us drawing near to God. We make the sacrifice. We do something. We push ourselves. We're the ones saying, hey, I'm not expecting anything first. I'm just going to give first. And then when we're in there, it's amazing you can see when it turns around, when God is blessed, when he's feeling like, man, you've, really, you've pushed through the veil. And then all of a sudden we enter into worship and you see the focus turn and he starts speaking to his people. He draws near to us. Praise, we draw near to him. Worship, he draws near to us. And we start to receive him. We start to hear him. We start to feel what he's saying. He manifests his presence amongst his people. It's a beautiful thing. But, to, but first, we have to push through the veil. And you often wonder why. Why does it take so much work often to get through the veil into that holy of holies, into that presence? Jesus said we can boldly go on, but we have to do the work. It's because God won't trivialize his sacred things. It is holy in there. And there are, there are a couple of things we have to know. Jesus is our passport into God's holy presence. And if we don't acknowledge him, we are like those in John 1 that says, the light came into the world and his own didn't recognize him. You know that verse? His own didn't recognize him. That means when he came to the planet, it wasn't the Gentiles that he was worried about, it was his own people that didn't know who he was, didn't recognize who he was. When you come into the presence of God and you don't acknowledge what Jesus has done simply by saying thank you, we are His own, not recognizing Him. I don't want to be a church that doesn't recognize the Christ that enabled me to walk boldly into the presence of God. I want to be the, I want to be the first one to put up my hand and say thank you. That's why the Bible says come into His courts with... Man. Come into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. It's our entrance in. It's our way of acknowledging what he's done, of his own, recognizing him. Man, it's amazing what you do when you make it Christ-centered. It gets our eyes off ourselves. It gets our eyes off our problems. I like what Pastor Sheridan said. We put him to the left, we put him to the right. Put him aside for a moment while we worship Jesus. And then when he draws near to us, all of a sudden those things don't seem so big. Jesus was awesome, man. He, he, he went into the desert, now with the Holy Spirit on him. He's about to go into ministry, and he needs the anointing of the Spirit on him. He goes in, he gets tested, he walks straight out of the desert into a synagogue, where he opens Isaiah 61 and says, For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For what? To set the captives free, to preach the gospel, to bind up the brokenhearted. Man. I reckon there's so much ministry sitting in this house this morning. But you just got to take it up. There's so much ministry in this house this morning. So many ministers. If you would go searching again, put yourselves under the, under the waters again. Die to self. Come back up and say, Lord, give me your anointing to go and preach the gospel. Give me your anointing to go bind the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. To declare the year of the Lord's favor to a world that desperately needs it. My gosh, they, they need it. There are so many hurting people out there. They need you. But what, are you willing? Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> so we've just got over Easter, right? I've, it, was really, um, it was really cool. We had, uh, we had Good Friday at home which you kind of wonder why it's called Good Friday. If I was Jesus, I'd call it Suckful Friday. <laughs> it was good for us. But it sucked for him. And um, you know, who's, who's seen The Passion, the movie The Passion? Well, well, I went and saw it in the movies, and I, and I wish I hadn't, because I, when everybody was talking about it, I thought, man, I'm not going to go see that. I know what happens. I know what it's, going to it's going to be horrible. I'm going to feel it. It's going to, I'm going to cry. It'll be really horrible. So, nah, nah. But then, because I wanted to be part of everybody's discussion, I went, <laughs> I went. I thought, yeah, I'll go. And then I'm sitting there watching it, thinking, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know, it was painful watching him do that. Thinking of our Jesus going through what he had to go through. That was your Jesus going through what he had to go through with all that pain, seeing his mother, watching him, watching his son go through that stuff. Man, there was that one picture where her mother saw him as a little boy falling over. might remember that? Just wiped everybody out. And I remember thinking, what, what, did I think it was going to end differently? What, 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 what are, I didn't need to come and see this. And the feeling in the movie theater afterwards was like... Wow, solemn as. I mean, there was somebody we knew, and I remember them sitting in the seat, and it was like this, oh, we recognized each other, and I was like, you know, it wasn't like, hey, it was like, and they, they just stayed sitting in their seat. Because it's, and I, and I figure it's, it's actually quite a good thing to acknowledge Friday before Sunday. It's a good thing to acknowledge Friday before Sunday comes. That pushes us through the veil. We were having a good Friday at home, and we thought, oh, well, let's crank out the coffee and the hot cross buns and, um, you know, just, just to do something with family and, and to acknowledge uh, Jesus and the day. And so we're sitting around the table with our hot cross buns and our coffee, and, uh, and I thought we should do something spiritual. So I pulled out the Bible and I went straight to Isaiah 53 and... Um, which is the verse uh, that says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Um, and that verse came alive to me when I when my mother introduced me to Handel's Messiah. When she, when she got me into Handel's Messiah, who's any Messiah fans? Yep, <clears throat> awesome, I would expect so in a crowd like this. <laughs> uh, and so I, I pulled it out and I played it at the table. So we're eating hot cross buns and coffee, it's all happy, but then we're listening to this, uh, to this version of Messiah saying, sure,
3: Surely, surely, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrow hey
4: that's like it's like it really it really it takes like five minutes to get through the one verse because they sing everything really slow but it, it forces you to meditate on it
3: yeah. he was wounded for transgressions You know
4: what I'm saying? You start to feel that.
3: He was
4: bruised They say
3: bruised. He was bruised for our iniquity
4: all of a sudden it makes you really feel it. And, that was, and we were kind of, it, it, you couldn't help but kind of feeling the, the weight of that verse and each one of those words as we were listening to this music while we were drinking coffee and eating hot cross buns. It was like hot cross buns with tears. <laughs> Which kind of sums up Easter, doesn't it? Happy but with tears. Because we feel what he went through. And when you feel what he he went through, you get a personal connection, which is what it's about. And then you ask, man, if if it feels like that to us, why did he come to us? He came to us and went through what he went through so he could feel what we feel. He became human so he could empathize with us. We would not be saved if he didn't come and feel what what we go through, to live a life what we go through. In our sin, he came and found us out. In our iniquities, he came and found us out. In our ignorance, we had no idea he even existed, and yet he came and sought us. There are a bunch of people out there who are ignorant and hurting and sinful. And we need to be the hands and the feet and the heart of God to go out and feel for them. We don't need to judge them. Imagine if God just judged us and didn't yet come to find us. Surely we should carry that same heart. To go find someone that's hurting, even in their sin. You know when you see someone that doesn't know that they're doing something really done, they're filled with hate. And they may even lash against you, but love seeks them out. Love se- seeks to set them free. Who's around you? What's your, what are your neighbors like? like we, somebody, we see somebody like that, and we just think, ah, stuff you. We just let you die in your hatred. Come on. The, our nat- the natural part of us wants to go, ah, if you want to be like that, suffer. Unless we are carrying the heart of God. But how do you get the heart of God? Just a moment and a See, the reason we come to church is to spend that moment with him so that we get his heart so that then we can turn around and go take it to somebody else. Church is not our, our kind of fill-up for the, for the week and then that's it. There's, a, there's something in us that's, that's got to feel for somebody else. Man, if we, if, Jesus has got to be personal. You know, the thing that I, I reckon we are, uh, that's messed us up, uh, man, even, I just, I, just, I just read this, Handel, um, Handel was a musician for the Royal Academy in England, he, he was German, but, um, and when he wrote the Messiah, it was because everybody had to write a religious piece. But he was, so, he, he was in touch with God, and when he wrote it, he said, no, I don't want this to play just in the church. I want to play it in the opera houses because it needs to get out of church into the public. That's awesome, eh? And God gives us this amazing piece of music that's famous now throughout history, because, and, and he wanted to get it out there. I heard a lady this, this morning singing it on one of the early morning Christian shows. Hallelujah. It was like a rocked-up version of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's really funny. It's too easy for us to lose the whole person if church just becomes an intellectual exercise. We're, see, man, one of the things that we, that we, one of the things I see in myself, I have to be really careful of, is too much theology. I, I can't stand it when I get so theological, I'm thinking all this stuff, but then I, I'm useless when it comes to loving other people. I have to challenge myself on that. Stop, get off your butt, stop thinking about it, and go do it. Yes. Am I alone in that? Colossians 2, verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. This is after these verses that say, Cling on to Christ and the foundation of Him. And the thing about Jesus is that he is, so, he is personal and he is real and he is absolutely relevant to hurting people. Not philosophy. Don't treat, don't treat church like a philosophy. I think postmodern thinking, thinking has, has destroyed the church so much. i has destroyed so much of the church's ministry because we think too much and we don't act. In the, in the secular world, postmodern thinking is like a Tower of Babel. The arrogance to think that we can think our way around God. Somebody said, um, "There's this big big thinking on like uh, morality and sin." Postmodern thinking says we are not sinful; we're just sick. I'm like, that's stupid. Of course we're sinful. But psychology would tell us no we're not sinful. There's no such thing as sin because we're just we're just an accident. We're just a collection a collision of particles and neurons. There's no sin. How can an accident be sinful? And we take no responsibility for anything. Yeah, you know, I read this amazing article by this guy named Dr. Hobart Maurer. Dude was a psychologist. Um He's an atheist. He's an atheistic psychologist and professor of psychology at, St. John's, at Johns Hopkins University, one-time professor at Harvard, one-time professor at Yale. In fact, he was one-time president of the American Psychologist Association. At the age of 75, he writes in this article called Sin, the Lesser of Two Evils, where he basically changed his mind. And he said this, for several decades, uh, is it okay? You hear it? For several decades, we psychologists have looked upon the whole matter of sin and moral accountability as a great incubus, and we have acclaimed our freedom from it. They've celebrated their freedom from sin and from moral accountability. But at length, we have discovered to be free in this sense, to have the excuse of being sick rather than being sinful, is to also court the danger of becoming lost. In becoming amoral, ethically neutral and free, we have cut the very roots of our being. We've lost our deepest sense of selfhood and and identity, and with the very neurotics that we are treating, we ask ourselves, who am I, what is my deepest destiny, and what does living really mean? At the age of 75, this psychologist committed suicide after decades of telling everybody and all the neurotics, no, you are not sinful. And he realized, if we are not sinful, we have no morals. If we have no morals, we have no identity. Who are we? There's no value to life if we're just an accident. You see what, what this modern thinking has done? It's screwed us up. And it's got, it's, God has got to be past all that. For him to be more than just an idea, he has to be personal. And this is what I like about it. One, of the, one of the other stories I really, really love is the, um, it's the story of Jesus on the mountain of Transfiguration. When he went up the mountain, he took his three disciples with him, and he, and he got there and he said, um, no, he, he got up the top, and then, and then the cloud of glory came down. So we cut, they're surrounded by this cloud, the glory of God. It's no doubt full of thunder and lightning and really scary. And then Moses and Elijah showed up, as you do, which would have been freaky enough. That would be like Abraham Lincoln walking through the door. So, And if this isn't overwhelming enough, then a voice from heaven cries out and says again, This is my son. (laughs) I like to think that's what he sounded like. This is my son. Listen to him. He probably, he probably said, this is my son, listen to him. <laughs> but to the three disciples, that it was overwhelming. It's, it's beyond their comprehension. They can't, they can't understand it. It's so freaking huge. <laughs> they just go, oh my gosh. And when we are in the presence of God and things that we don't understand that are super spiritual, we say dumb stuff. We say dumb stuff. You could see this. Peter and James and John are up there, and Peter says, this is cool, Moses and Elijah are here. This is good for us all to be here. Do you want, do you want me to make some shelters? And would you like fries with that? Yes, yeah. <laughs> but you know, so might as well, what he said, because he's, like, he's overwhelmed. He can't comprehend it. It's so much that then they end up going, oh, blah, 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 uh, shelters, it's amazing what we will say about things we don't understand. The dumb stuff that we will say, is particularly about spiritual things. Remember the first time you saw somebody speaking in tongues and you didn't know what it was? We say dumb stuff. Before you've tried it yourself. We'll say stuff like, that ain't of God, that, that's not from God, that's just man-made. What's saying that, your spirit or your mind? Your mind is saying it because you can't comprehend it, you can't experience it for yourself, we will judge it according to our intellect. It's things of the spirit, the same, same deal. Prophecy, miracles. If you can't explain them with your intellect, our first our first idea as humans is to judge it intellectually. If you can't prove it, show me video proof. You know? And if we can't see it with our eyes, we start. Instead, we need to experience it. Everything about God is experienced. There was one kid, oh my gosh, it's a horrific story. I'll come back to Jesus in a second. Horrific story. Guy says to his, um, I've been listening to a lot of Ravi Zacharias lately, and he tells a story of him sitting on a plane next to a lady who works with sex trafficking, and, he re- and she rescues ladies out of these horrific places. Um, I'm sorry, this is pretty horrible. I hope, I hope it's okay. We'll, we'll push through it. Um, and he says, he says to her, uh, you know, how's it going, basically, and, and he says, is it really bad in this country? He, went, he didn't say which country it was. She said, last night I was in an area of, a, of this town where men will come uh, after work and, and to get whatever they want, uh, but they'll, in order to burn their consciences, they'll drink this mixture, this concoction of heavy liquor and snake blood they drink this stuff, it sends them into this euphoric state, and then of course they can, they, it gets them over their consciences to do whatever they like with whatever they paid for, or whoever they paid for. This lady says, to his disgust, she said, last night I just rescued an 18-month-old baby from one of these dudes. He said, at that point it almost made me sick to my stomach. And you think, what kind of person can do that to an 18-month-old baby? Now, you might be able to excuse this guy because of the stuff that he drank, but what about the guy that sold that stuff to him? What about the government officials that are allowing that stuff to happen? Where is our morality? Where is our, person, where is our humanity? And the, the thing was, Ravi was saying he was explaining this story to a bunch of university students and a guy that was asking about morality, and he, and he asked the kid, if, if uh, he told you about that, what do you think now? Do you think that that was morally wrong? And the kid kind of kicks the carpet and looks up and says, well, I wouldn't want to see it, but I couldn't in all honesty say that that was morally wrong. This kid's probably going to become a professor and teach others. And then he says, Really? What if it was your 18-month-year-old baby? See, when it gets personal, our thinking changes. We can see somebody going through a hard time, and we can judge them until we've been the one in their shoes. Then all of a sudden, we have more empathy. We can judge an alcoholic until we've been an alcoholic and been saved from it. We can judge a sinner until we... We can't judge a sinner until we've been the sinner and been saved from it exactly what Jesus did. And to finish that story of Jesus on the mountain, he's covered in, he's, the glory of God is down. He's speaking to Moses and Elijah. Uh, the three disciples have seen this and have freaked out so much that they've fallen like they were dead on the ground. And I can see Jesus looking at his disciples going, oh no, true. Probably shouldn't have brought them up here. <laughs> hey, it was too much for them. So I can see him telling God, Moses and Elijah, hey guys, why don't you guys back off? obviously too much for these guys, just back off and I'll handle it. And then he goes over to them, wakes them up, lifts them up, and the Bible says this beautiful thing, they looked up and, and everything was gone, and all they could see was the face of Jesus. Jesus is our way of understanding God. We can't comprehend the holiness of God. We can't comprehend the right, the full righteousness of God. We can't comprehend the fullness of who God is, but Jesus makes them understandable. He's our interface with God. That's why the Bible says he's our high priest. And it says we don't have a high priest who doesn't relate to our weaknesses. If that's what he was for us, can we please go out and be that for somebody else? The churches are supposed to be a kingdom of priests that goes out and empathizes and becomes the interface for other people with God. Why don't you bring people to church with you? Why don't you reach out and see if somebody else is hurting? Who could you reach? Who could you show the humanity of God to? Yes? Okay. Come on. Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Lord, well, thank you for um, thank you for becoming human. Lord Jesus, right now you stand as our high priest. You intercede for us at the right hand of God, and I thank you for that. Lord, empower us to do the same. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. Anoint us with your Spirit so that we too can go out and preach the gospel, that we too can go out and bind the brokenhearted. Lord, to set captives free to declare the year of the the Lord's favor to so many people that need it. Lord, to come against the kingdom of darkness and declare the, the year of God's vengeance against Satan and his enemies and our enemies. Lord, to break the power of the enemy over people's lives. Help us take your name out to a world that needs it. Lord, in this moment, we give ourselves to you again. In this moment, we give ourselves to you again. Every moment that we have is yours. Every dollar we own is yours. Every resource that we have is yours. Every gift that we have is yours. Lord, we we truly do surrender it all. You are our king. And we are your children. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I'd just like to, I'd just like to pray for just a... If, 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 if you're really feeling like this, person, just take a few seconds. If you'd let me know, just, just raise your hands. I just want to pray for you specifically because I think there's a real, a, real, a real moment here. If this has really touched you in your heart and you think, I, I need to surrender some stuff back to you. I've taken a few things back could you just let me know just by raising your hand just quickly and i'm just going to pray a simple prayer thank you thank you very much yes thanks 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 thank you yep thank you thank you yeah all right let's pray together again lord thank you for every hand that was raised just now thank you for every heart that was just opened to a new reality Lord, I pray just as your Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, that, Lord, you would would descend on each one of these hearts that's open to you right now. And, Lord, you would remain with them. Speak to them, I pray. Lead them into truth. Lead them into a new level of power. Lord, lead them into a new level of ministry and service, that they would hear your voice, that they would know your heart and minister your grace to everybody around them in their world. Lord, let there be a new level of power flowing into their lives. And may we see your church built because of that ministry and that power. And everybody see it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome.
1: Thank you, Wayne. Thought-provoking, eh? Very good. Look, he was so busy and the thoughts he forgot to mention their books Journey by Libby Rebranding Worship by Wayne and is this music on these and music on these and um, I know the music's great and I haven't got to the books yet but I've heard from people who have read the books and they tell me they are outstanding so you can grab these in the foyer so I suggest you do would be very very good well, how about giving Wayne another hand? That was excellent. Very, very thought provoking. The purpose of life is connecting with Jesus, and the measure of discipleship is obedience. Which they are, by the way. It wasn't a suggestion, they are. and obedience looks like goodness then wherever, whenever, be like Jesus takes on a whole new meaning it's not just a catchphrase it's about taking the kingdom of God wherever we are, whenever we're there that's what the church is about I encourage you to uh, go into your week full of passion take some risks gotta say something to someone, take some risks, have a conversation this week with someone at work, at school, university, wherever you are. Have a conversation. See where it goes. You don't have to make your goal leading them to Christ. Jesus will do that. Just have a conversation. Steer them in the general direction. Let God do the rest. Make it easy on yourself. Tough on God, but you've got to do something. He, He wants them more than you do. Just point them in the general direction. That's what we're asked to do. Well, we're going to receive an offering because I really want to bless Wayne and Libby as they uh, um, go back into their life. These are incredible people of faith. We want to honour them. So how about holding the bags just for a minute? Hey, should we sing a song to finish? Let's do that. How about friend of God? That would be cool. And if you'd like to prepare yourselves for a moment to give. And then as we finish, I'll remind you also that there are giving stations to the left of each door as you go out. Please be purposed in your giving <clears throat> one of the things that stuck out to me in India was that when they received the offering everybody gave they did the, they were buckets you know but these people that looked like they had nothing in many cases they still all gave and uh, it was very, very noticeable to me and uh, so I encourage you to make sure you're, you're generous in the things of God, you're generous toward God and the work of God Father I thank you this morning that you've spoken to us I thank you that something of your heart has been revealed to us. And Lord, my prayer is that we would respond in every way. That we would be eager to step into your presence. That we would be eager to give you thanks. That we would be eager to encourage and to help somebody. That we would be eager to lift up and to mention the name of Jesus. That we would be eager to be people who are generous. That we would be eager to walk as disciples of Christ. And Lord, I ask that you would encourage each one of us this week and that you would provoke us, that you would stir us. Uh, Lord, where we come up short, give us the courage just to go again and again and again, but provoke us so that as our days go past, we don't walk through them numb or blindly, but we walk through with a sense of what your Spirit is wanting to do in us and through us for this beautiful city that we live in. So, Lord, I release your church this morning. I pray your blessing on every person, every household that's represented here, every business that's represented here. Let us be the church that you've called us to be and help us wherever we are and whenever we're there to be like Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you'd like to receive that offering, that would be awesome. Have a great week. And we will see you on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. No, 7.30, just this thing. Don't
0: forget.
4: a pre-meeting on Tuesday